Welcome to Good People, Cool Things, the podcast featuring conversations with entrepreneurs, writers, musicians, and other creatives. I'm your host, Joey Held, and today's guest is Nicole Ricardo, who serves musicians and creative entrepreneurs who are ready to market themselves effectively and increase their impact and income. Hmm, sounds like a lot of the guests of the show, and of course, a lot of folks in the audience, too. So there's lots to listen up to, and I mean, you don't have to take notes during podcasts. I know I certainly don't, but if ever you were going to, this is certainly one to do because Nicole is dropping all sorts of knowledge on branding, SEO, the Instagram algorithm, marketing strategy, backend funnels, website design, and we're even talking some trash about piccolos, which I know doesn't really have much to do with the other stuff, but still, it's always fun to go down rabbit holes like that. And we've got a couple other ones that we kind of burrow into, too, to uh, keep the rabbit theme. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can do so a couple of different ways. Reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at GPCT Podcast, or holler via email, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. You can also support the show via the online shop. Buy some merchandise. You got shirts, you got mugs, you got hats. You got wall art. There's lots of different things. Hoodies. It's getting chilly out here. In Austin, it's 40 degrees one second and then 80 degrees later that same day. I can't predict it. All I know is I am glad I have a hoodie I can throw on when it's cold in there, and then I can shed it in the afternoon because that's how layers work. And you can get a nice hoodie for yourself as well. And you don't even have to live in Austin. You can live in somewhere where it's cold all the time in winter like a normal winter. You just do you. In the meantime, let's hop into the conversation with Nicole. Nicole, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast. To start, I'm taking a cliched question. I'm flipping it on its head. Well, I hope so, at least. I like the answers that I've heard so far. So I'd love to hear your elevator pitch, but I also want to hear the elevator that we are on while you're giving this pitch. First, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> um, okay, the elevator that we're on, let's set the stage. We are on a super spooky elevator, like Tower of Terror style, you know, we're just coming off of October, still feeling those spooky vibes. Um, so that's the scene. And then here's my elevator pitch. Freelancers struggle with working way too hard for way too little. Through my business building courses, I teach creatives how to get off the freelancing hamster wheel so that they can turn their expertise into a sustainable and profitable business. Did we make it to the bottom without dying? <laughs> Uh, we did. It was very close. Um, that actually reminds me of a great uh, Tower of Terror story, I guess I have from, when was this? College. Sometime in college, we went to California for um, a National Broadcasting Society event. Broadcast journalism students represent. So it's just a bunch of people from all across the country going to win awards. I did not win any awards, but our show won an award. So I guess I did win an award. I worked on that show. So yes, we all we all won awards. It was great. Uh, and there were two people from uh, the university or East Carolina University. So very North Carolinian accents and everything. And one of them loved the Tower of Terror and had been to the one in Orlando. And apparently there's a little bit of a difference between Orlando and California Tower of Terror wise. And that there's like an extra drop in the California one, or 
It was something about like the Orlando one had like a delayed drop. So he was like giving everyone the heads up. He's like, look out. This is going to be a drop. It's going to be like, we're going to go forward a little bit and then we'll fall. And as he's saying that, we just go straight down. And so the look of terror on his face is still one of the greatest things I've ever seen. Because he was like kind of cocky about it, but like very in a very charming way. I wasn't upset at all, but I was just like, yes, that was uh, so wonderful. And I think that's the last time I've ridden the Tower of Terror. So there you go. Yeah, I think the last time I did was at some time in college as well. I've never been to the California one, but um, I mean, I'm originally from Florida. So yeah, Disney, like at least once a year was pretty much a staple, you know. Um, But yeah, the Tower of Terror, the last time I wrote it. Well, actually, I should say the before the last time I wrote it, I think I only wrote it once, maybe like in childhood. And I probably, you know, it just like terrified me and was like okay no like we're not doing this again but then again and I think it was grad school was the last time I went I you know finally like worked up some courage and I'm like okay Nicole like let's put your big girl panties on like we're gonna do this here we go um but like can I just say so I'm a I'm really like tiny like I'm like five one like 110 pounds you know and so I'm like buckling myself in and you know there's this lady like sitting next to me she's like make sure you strap that in tight make sure you strap that in. Like, I felt like I had my mom sitting next to me, you know, she was like very concerned, but woo, when we hit that drop, like, thank God for that lady, because <laughs> if I had not strapped it in tight, like I would have been on the ceiling, like that seatbelt was hold, like I was off of the seat, like the seatbelt holding me on. I was like, oh God, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> it's a devastating ride. Who knew? Who oh knew? God. I guess it lives up to its name, the Tower of Terror. Yeah. Everyone. Yep. Everyone is frightened in it. I I do feel like we could get down a entirely Disney podcast episode, but there are other things to chat about as well. I think your description of the freelance hamster wheel is a very good analogy and like good mental image because I know I've certainly as a freelancer felt like that sometimes where I'm just like, I am doing all of this work for nothing. And it is, it's definitely frustrating and it does feel like you're kind of, Spinning your wheels, running in place, running in a giant hamster ball, but less fun. I think running in a hamster wheel would still be kind of fun in real life, but not Uh in the freelance sense. So was this an experience that you were feeling as well? And you were like, wait, I need to get out of this. And then once you did, you're like, now I can help other people do it. Or how did did this all kind of come about? Yeah. So for me, there's there's a couple parts to this question so my background I am actually a flutist I'm a classical musician and so that's what you know like gosh literally since like fourth grade I've been in music doing music I went to um college for I got my bachelor's in it got my master's in it so after I graduated I was kind of doing the whole freelance musician thing I was you know teaching all of these private students and driving around to these students and I was playing with a bunch of different orchestras you know just like the freelancing in the true sense of the word right like didn't have a nine to five just kind of picking things up as I got it but it gets ooh real exhausting real quick let me tell you and especially you know as um from a musician standpoint where you're like driving to all of these different things and I'm driving to students and I'm driving, you know, have to wake up at the book crack of dawn and drive over to, you know, the city like three hours away for this rehearsal. And then I have to do the same thing the next day because they don't pay for you to stay there overnight. It was just a whole ordeal. So 
I got real tired of it real quick. And also, I mean, the income just wasn't consistent. I'm like, yo, I got bills to pay. You know what I mean? So I ended up um, getting a normal nine to five job and I was in a normal nine to five for many, many years. And afterwards, when I, you know, it was maybe about a year before I quit, I kind of made the decision. I was like, okay, like, I'm done with this. Like I have all of this knowledge. Um, well, I guess another side note, like during all of those normal nine to fives and even in college, I've always been really interested in like marketing, um, which I mean, you have to do intrinsically as a musician anyway, right? Like you have to know how to market yourself. Um, but anyway, so I started doing marketing and, you know, social media marketing, dealing with websites, blah, 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 in my nine to fives. And so about a year before I quit, I was finally like, you know, I have all of this knowledge, like, why am I still working for other people? Like, I could be doing this for myself and making a lot more money. I could be doing this and, like, helping my people, like, other musicians, other creatives, right? Um, And so I finally made the decision that I was going to quit, start my own thing. So I knew before I even quit, like while I was still in my nine to five, I already knew, like, I do not want to do that again. I want to start a business that's going to allow me, um, to scale it. Right. And so I, yeah, I was pretty, pretty aware of that (laughs) before I made that transition and already kind of, you know, thinking of ways that I could set myself up, um, to not be on that freelancing hamster wheel. Cause I was like, I've already experienced that, like been there, done that. Don't need to go back there. We're looking for consistent income. Don't want to go back to a nine to five need to be able to pay my bills, but also more importantly, like I would like to, you know, wow, be able to I don't know, save money or like go to the grocery store and not have to, you know, count every single thing that I'm putting in my cart, you know, like I just, you know, the the little things in life. Right. So, um, yeah, I just, I I felt pretty strongly about that. Um, the second time around that I was not going to do that. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I think that's, um, I don't know about you, but I feel like a lot of the ads I see for like a hey, this is how you can start your own business. This is how you can get out of the rat race type thing. It's always, uh, well, I shouldn't say always, but most of the time it's like a guy on a yacht or he's like standing oh, in yeah. front of his pool in the backyard. And I'm just like, <laughs> I. it probably appeals to some people, but for me, yeah, it's like that type of thing of like, I'd like to be able to save to maybe go take a trip. I don't need to buy a yacht. I mean, we're in... Austin, which is a very landlocked kind of city. I guess you could take it out on the lake, but even so, like, it's not, it's not for me. Um, but there, that's like such a common message out of it. But I think kind of looking more into that of like saving, being able to buy groceries, it's like Kanye in Good Life. He's saying, having money's not everything, not having it is. And I think about that <laughs> more than I should, because that was like good Kanye. Before I he went a little a little wild, yeah, went a little wild out there. Uh, some, something else that I wanted to touch on, since you do, I uh, part of your business too is like focused on Instagram, and I like what you have on your website, which is get rid of Insta overwhelm, which mm-hmm. I think is very real. I know people who spend hours on the platform every day. Uh, I have probably done it myself too, although in the pandemic world, I have spent significantly less time on social media and it's been pretty wonderful uh, for the most part, but definitely still a big part of any creative musician, really anyone that has a business, like you do need to get, even if you don't like it, even if it overwhelms you, 
you got to be on these platforms. So what are some of the ways to get rid of that Insta overwhelm? Yeah, and that's such a good point because let me tell you, there. I, I feel like most people um, end up doing the same thing. And like, I've done it myself, you know, before I obviously knew <laughs> what I know now. Um, it's just so easy to be scrolling and you get sucked in and then it's been an hour and you're like, oh my God, what what have I just done for the past hour? Like, I don't even, I've downloaded the, downloaded the like to know it app. Like I'm buying this girl's outfit. What is going on here? Like, I'm not doing anything. Um, so I think the biggest, um, the biggest thing really is you have to have an overall strategy. You have to have a goal, right? And that's one of um, my biggest things, you know, yeah, I, I know a lot about Instagram, but my zone of genius really is more the uh, like conversion side of thing, <laughs> things, marketing and sales, right? Because if you're spending two, three, four, however many hours on Instagram a week, especially if you're a freelancer, an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, a business owner, right? we don't have that many hours to be wasting a week. We need to make sure that those hours that you're putting in, that you're seeing something from it, you're seeing a result from it, right? So being very intentional and having a specific goal. Okay, like my goal this month might be, um, I want to increase my following number. Okay, great. But what, like, why is that your goal? You know, so you just keep kind of going down the rabbit hole. Okay. So maybe I want to increase my followers this month. That's my goal. Why? Because I'm gearing up because next week I am opening up, um, my membership site or I'm launching this ebook, right? So I, I want to build, um, more followers. So that way, when I launch that, I, it's going to bring in more sales for me. Right. So always getting down to the, like the very basic, like what is the overall goal here? and really crafting everything very intentionally with that in mind. And I'm talking literally every single thing from the stories that you post every day um, to, you know, how many posts you put up a week to what you're talking about in those posts to how much engagement you're doing every day to the, the other accounts, the types of accounts, you know, who you are actually engaging with, right? You want to make sure that everything you're doing um, has that end goal in mind. Otherwise, then you get into that, you know, just wasting hours week after week and you're, you know, then we're back on that hamster wheel, right? So we want to avoid that. And the way that you avoid that is by making sure that you have that goal in mind and you're being very um, strategic and intentional with everything that you're doing. Lovely, lovely. Yeah, I think I uh, there have been many uh, Sunday nights where I'm just like, hmm, I spent too much time not being productive today, which is like totally fine. You definitely need to take breaks. But if you do have that strategy mapped out, it is so helpful, um, really, really in any type of endeavor, but especially in our kind of neck of the woods here. Um, and you're actually, okay, so I have two kind of follow-up questions about your business in general. Uh, I think it's always surprising to hear, or I'm sorry, it's always interesting to hear what's most surprising to you as a business owner. Because I think a lot of people, you know, maybe you're like me, you're a big fan of Shark Tank. You see these people starting their business and it's like, now they're making $12 million. Look at that. Um, but there's a lot that goes into it behind the scenes, obviously, that we don't see. So what's something that has surprised you as a business owner? Yeah, I... Ooh, okay. Let me rein in my my brain here for a minute because <laughs> there's there's a lot. Um, I think so. One of the big things for me, especially transitioning from uh, 
a normal job and having somebody constantly, you know, telling me what to do and what my days are going to look like and blah, 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 to transitioning to being the one in charge. Um, that was something I, I really struggled with at first was figuring out, you know, like how to prioritize my days. What do I actually need to be working on? Like, am I, is this just busy work that I'm doing? Like, is it actually moving the needle? And it's so easy when, especially when you're first starting out, like you do everything yourself, right? You're not just the business owner. You're, you're the social media manager. You're the copywriter. You're the web designer. You're the, um, tech support, your customer service, right? You're all the things. And, And so it can be really, really difficult to figure out, you know, what is actually worth my time to be doing. And then, you know, you constantly have a million things on your plate and a mile long to-do list. So just figuring out, you know, how to prioritize that and how to actually like spend your time. So that way it is going to move the needle and and you are going to see a return on your investment, right? Your investment being your time, but also your resources, your financial resources. But anyway, um, yeah, just, just making sure that, you know, you're actually doing what matters and not spending too much time on the stuff that doesn't matter, you know, cause I have definitely fallen down that rabbit hole of, you know, I'll be on Canva and making graphics and it's, you know, three hours later, I'm like, Oh, that was so much fun. I'm being creative and making things and blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, at the end of the week, I'm like looking through my lead spreadsheet and it's like, okay, Nicole, like you got zero leads this week. What were you doing? Oh, well, you know, I spent three hours in Canva. That's what I was doing. <laughs> so, um, that was definitely, I mean, I shouldn't say a surprise, but it was, unexpected how big of a hurdle that was. Um, and definitely, you know, figuring that out and overcoming it, that makes a world of difference. I am, it's like, I I feel like it's kind of like in the beginning, you know, it's like just going up, up a little bit, up a little bit, up a little bit. And then you figure out how to like prioritize things. And it's just like skyrocket up, you know, it's like (laughs) game changer. (laughs) That's Ah, oh, that is wonderful. I like, I like the, it's like going back to the Tower of Terror, or I guess just Disney World in general, like the, <laughs> there, there was one, we're going back down the Disney Road, there was one that was called like the Rocket Roller Coaster, maybe, where it started like literally straight up. And speaking of Kanye, you could pick a music song to be playing and they had Stronger by Kanye. And I am pretty sure that's what I picked because it was like one of the only ones I recognized. Apparently I'm not into popular music. <laughs> Uh, at least from the 2000s, which I think most of those songs were, which is certainly not true because I definitely know a lot of songs from there. Maybe Rocket Roller Coaster just didn't have a good strategy. But anyway, I digress. Um, now, your uh, your business is, I would imagine, largely digital. And uh, I know, obviously, the pandemic has been awful for a lot of different people and businesses. But yours is one that you can do remotely. You're working with a lot of people who are probably also working remotely or at least have remote elements. So has the pandemic, for lack of a better word, not really had that much of an impact on your business or has it even helped it? Yeah, that's an interesting question. And I mean, to be honest, yeah, things kind of got even busier for us once the pandemic hit because I, I have um, basically two sides to my business. So I have the educational side, which is, you know, my, my personal stuff. I have the courses, workshops, but then I also have a digital media agency where we do, you know, branding, web design, brand photography, graphic design, copyright, all that good stuff. Um, which again, you know, is all digital. And so definitely when the pandemic hit, um, you know, I'm someone that 
I've always been a big fan of digital because it's a lot easier to scale and grow a business that way. So I've been talking about that for years at this point. And then of course, once the pandemic hits, I was like, oh crap, like I have to be online now. Like there are no other options. Like if I don't have a website, nobody can find me. If I don't have a website, nobody like knows what I do. Nobody can hire me. If I'm not on social media, like I, my clients can't, you know, find me. So it became, um, pretty essential for a lot of people and a lot of businesses once the pandemic hit that like I have to get my digital presence up and running or I have to get my digital presence revamped so it it, we definitely saw a big influx um in inquiries and and clients and people now really understanding you know the power of (laughs) having a digital presence okay we're gonna get back to this but uh I do want to take a, I probably should have asked this after you were talking about being a musician, but we're going to jump back into that. So put your musician hat on for a moment here. And one of my favorite things, maybe, maybe my favorite thing to ask any musician is what the worst gig they've ever played was. And I even in spirit of Halloween did a spooky uh, spook, I guess just a spooktacular, spooky spooktaculars, too many spooks. Uh, just one spooktacular of several musicians who have been on the show sharing their worst gig, uh, which okay. I think is just, it always leads to such good stories. And I'm sure with your background, fellow woodwind, I played clarinet, so always appreciate a, a good woodwind section. What What is your worst gig? So I, I will say to preface this, I am... I do consider myself pretty lucky because the gigs that I've had, like, I don't have any horror stories of, you know, somebody like stepping on my instrument or, you know, anything crazy like that. But, um, the one that immediately pops into my brain. So my, actually my very first, um, well, actually it wasn't my very first, but my, um, I was going to say my very first paid gig, but I've been paid before, but I guess it was my first paid gig with like a professional orchestra. Um, my very first paid gig with a professional orchestra, I was in, I think this was undergrad at some point, but um, so just for anybody out there, I, I know I said I'm a flute player. I, we may or may not know what a piccolo is. It's, you know, the little like mini version of a flute uh, for lack of, you know, better way of phrasing it, but it's, you know, really high and shrill. And, um, you know, as a flute player, you're, you're expected to play both. You should be able to play flute and piccolo, but most flute players are either like, they consider themselves a piccolo player or a flute player, right? There's like, there are some people that can do both, but I am one of those people that like, I am a flute player. I am not a piccolo player. I, to be really honest, I hate the piccolo. I hate playing piccolo. I just like you hate everyone who plays piccolo. piccolo too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like when I had to buy my piccolo, I had so much resentment for the fact that I just had to spend like thousands of dollars to buy this instrument because I freaking hate it. But anyway, so my very first <laughs> paid gig with a professional orchestra was, of course, playing piccolo. Right. But here's the kicker: it was a Fourth of July concert, and on the program, of course, we have Stars and Stripes Forever, which anybody who is in the classical music world, um, you know, that is like the quintessential American piece of music on every 4th of July concert. And 
it also has a massive piccolo solo in it. Massive. Every piccolo player ever. This is like the solo that you memorize it and every key signature, like you know how to play it. And that was my first gig on the instrument that I hate playing a big solo. And it was just, you know, it, I remember when I got the music, I was just like, well, this is what I get. <laughs> <laughs> Did you nail the solo at least? I mean, of course, obviously. <laughs> I'm a professional, you know. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, th- okay, this is also a side note, but related to playing instruments. Uh, I can't remember what it was. Maybe it was Weakest Link or something. Someone was talking about how they play five instruments. And mm-hmm. one of the ones they were counting was recorder, oh which I thought was... <laughs> I mean, it is an instrument, but also like... We all learned how to play recorder in elementary school to some capacity. Like we can probably, what, 90% of American students can play hot cross buns on the recorder. Uh, So I don't know if I'd count that as an instrument. If I had a list of other instruments, if like the only thing I had played was recorder, yes, I will promote that. But if I can play other instruments, I don't know. Maybe I'm being too judgmental, but I thought... As a fellow, no, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. Like, I, I will say, so I had to learn how to play Baroque flute and like Baroque, there's Baroque recorder, like that's a whole thing. But the thing, the fingering system for that is a lot different than like, you know, normal recorder. Like there's, there's just some differences there. And so, yeah, I don't, I mean, I play multiple instruments, but I have never added recorder to that list. So I, I don't know. Maybe it's about <laughs> time to start. It's taken, <laughs> taken back over the world. <laughs> yes, add it to my resume, recorder. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we will get back into the business side of things. And something I always like to ask, mainly because it's less work for me, but I also think you obviously know yourself better than I know you. Uh, so I'd like to know a question you wish you were asked more frequently. And you've kind of touched on it a little bit about being in the online business space and how digital entrepreneurs can scale their business. But like, what's, is there like one best way to get those conversions that you were talking about before? Yeah. So this is something that gets me pretty jazzed up (laughs) because um, yeah, like I was saying earlier, my zone of genius is definitely more so on the like conversions, like marketing sales side of things. And there are, a lot, a lot, a lot of people online, especially in the, you know, digital entrepreneur space. So people who have um, digital courses, digital like products, workbooks, things like that. Um, pretty much what we're taught is, you know, you two things, you have to have an email list and you need to be running Facebook ads. Right. But the thing that never really made sense to me is, okay, well, if I'm just starting my business, how am I going to be putting money into Facebook ads that I don't like, I'm not trying to go in debt over here. And especially because Facebook ads, like as a social media marketer and a social media manager, like Facebook ads are a lot. They're freaking confusing. It takes a lot to learn how to like run them and run them well and doing the copy for it and the ad images and A-B testing and well, it's a whole freaking rabbit hole. So it's just like, well, it never made sense to me why people were like, you know, you have to like be running Facebook ads if you want to grow and scale, which like, yes, at a certain point, you do want to be doing that. But right off the bat, you know, the other thing they talk about is email lists, which yes, we need to have an email list. But the thing with email lists is most people online, they teach it in a manner that 
I personally think is doing a very big disservice to people. They're just like, oh, create this freebie and create freebies and more freebies and more freebies. So that way you can, you know, get people to opt in, like have, have those opt-ins and get, you know, but when we really break this down, so when somebody is opting in for a freebie, right, they're doing so because they have some sort of problem or struggle, right, and they're wanting to learn more. So once they do that, what most people online teach is, okay, great. So they opted in for your freebie. Now send them a welcome sequence, right? And then you send out your uh, weekly email newsletter or whatever you're doing, bi-weekly, monthly. But if somebody opted in, they signed up because you have some free download, let's say on, you know, here are the five best apps for Instagram, right? Um, so somebody opted in because they're like, yeah, I, you know, I, I want to do better on Instagram. I'm, I'm trying to make this a part of my business. Great. I want to learn more, right? So they sign up, they get your email, uh, your welcome sequence, and then they're getting your newsletters. But does that solve their problem? You know, like they opted in for a reason because they have a problem with something. They want to get better at something, but your welcome sequence isn't going to fix it. Your, your free download isn't going to fix it, right? We know that Instagram is a whole freaking ordeal. Like that's why there are full courses on it. Um, so really the way that it needs to be done is every single freebie that you have should be leading into a paid offer because at the end of the day, that's the best way that you can help support them and help them with their, their problem, right? There's no, no, no freebie. And I'm sorry if any, you know, I'm bursting any bubbles right now, but there's no free download on the internet that's going to be able to solve your problem or be the magic secret sauce that's going to, you know, make your business take off, right? Like it just doesn't work that way. It might help with like one little thing, but then there's another thing and another thing and another thing, right? So, um, for anybody else out there who is, you know, creating uh, digital offerings, products, courses, whatever, that that is the best way that you can serve people, right? That's the way that you can help them um, get that transformation and be able to solve that problem that they're struggling with. So instead of people just, you know, oh, freebie, 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 and then it leads to nowhere, which if you do that, you're leaving a lot of money on the table and also not helping a lot of people that are raising their hand and saying they need help with something. You know, you want to make sure that every freebie that you have is very intentionally leading to one of your paid offers. So that's kind of like one of the biggest secret backend things that most people don't talk about online. And so then we have like, I know I definitely did this, you know, I had all of these freebies and then they're leading to nowhere. And then when I finally realized this, like, oh, it's a whole mess trying to like work through and fix everything and get it all resorted. So, um, yeah, there's the, there's the hot tea for today. If you want to like <laughs> start generating truly passive income, um, while also helping people. So win-win. <laughs> I like the hot tea. Yeah. Even though I prefer my tea iced. Actually, that's not true. I've had plenty of hot tea this year. <laughs> Probably even more so than I ever have. What a wild time to yeah. be alive. What a time. of my hot tea currently. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Let's get some ASMR. <laughs> Quick, some slurping. Oh, wait. I'm bad at slurping. Hold on. <laughs> Thank you for indulging me with that. <laughs> Uh, ASMR is so, so fascinating to me. And I have certainly only scratched like the 0.001% surface <laughs> that's up on there. Um, but going back to uh, 
how everything should be leading to a paid offer. Like, I really like that directness and the helping people. And it made me think of something that actually generally is a freebie, but YouTube videos of, I have gone to YouTube, uh, who knows how many times. And and this is like, a, I think a good blueprint to kind of follow is like the video that, let's say like fixing the flapper in your toilet. Uh, if your toilet is running, uh, which mine was a few months ago, and that water bill was astronomical, so would not <laughs> recommend. Uh, of course, it was running while I was on a road trip, so uh, it was just sitting there with not being fixed for a week. It was great. But I digress. Uh, but the YouTube video, when I'm like, okay, I I mean, this was my first time. I've always lived in apartments, so I just call a maintenance person to fix something like this. So I'm like, I'm going to figure out how to do this by watching YouTube. And there's like, you know, hundreds of videos but the most valuable one is the one that says immediately, like, this is what you need and this is how you fix it. And they demonstrate it. And it's like a minute long video. I don't need a five minute backlog of like, you know, I was down in my luck and I, I fixed a toilet. And then all of a sudden, like my dreams came true. And I'm like, look, that's great. I don't need it. I just need you to show me how to do this. I don't need like a whole history of toilets. I because that's what i mean you might be going for uh cat videos or like other mindless content on youtube which there's plenty of that i would say my uh, og youtube channel is full of that as well i'm not solving any problems other than i if you need someone to judge then i i provide that um but for like (laughs) tutorial videos like and and any kind of like music editing too it's like a 20 minute video with like a minute of it actually being helpful and you're just wasting people's time with the other stuff. And it's the same mindset there of like, if you're just throwing freebies that like maybe the first one sure may have helped solve like a problem that they have, but if the other ones are just kind of like tangentially, they're going to lose interest real fast. Yeah, exactly. And that's definitely something, I mean, it's honestly, it's applicable to uh, like, every every marketing platform that people might use, whether it's um, your social media, whatever social media platform, your website, your emails. And this, I mean, is definitely an unpopular opinion. Um, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm all about like sharing your story, talking about how you got to where you are, blah, blah, blah. Like that, there is power in that. However, it's at the end of the day, it's not about you, you know, it's not about me. Like when somebody comes to my website, it it has nothing to do with me. They came to my website because they had some sort of issue that led them to Googling something that brought them to my website. Right. Or they were on Pinterest and, you know, they had some sort of a problem that they were typing in and they found one of my pins and clicked on it. Right. It's not about me. It's about them and their issue and helping them solve it. And so, you know, whether it's an Instagram post or an email that you're writing or the about page on your website, Ooh, that's a big one that I see a lot, a lot of people like really missing the mark on it's still, it's not, it's not about me. It's about making sure that my audience feels like, Hey, I see you. I hear you. I know what you're going through and I want to help you fix it. And this is how, right? Like that's really at the end of the day, that's all anybody cares about the what's in it for me. That's like the one thing that I always keep in my brain is the what's in it for me. That's what they want to know. You know, they, they want to know how I can help them. And that's really all that we need to focus on. And if you can do that, you're going to help a lot more people and you're going to make a lot more money. <laughs> <laughs> okay, real quick about me. How how long should it be? Just as long as you need to say like, 
this is how I'm going to help you? Yeah. So the about me page, really, um, I'm a fan of, you know, like one page or less, pretty much like we don't want, you know, a whole, you know, essay, we don't need a novel, we really like, you want to have a headline that's immediately going to hook them in. Like, I think the one on my website, it's like, uh, the Instagram algorithm, SEO, marketing strategy, like, do any of these make you feel like your head is spinning, right? And then you kind of go in, you just do something that's relating, like, hey, I see you, like, I get it, you have that stack of books on your desk next to you that you're probably never gonna read, like, same, and you're looking through all those cute notebooks that you bought at TJ Maxx, hoping that, you know, somewhere in there, you're gonna find the magic secret sauce, but, like, like, it's still not happening. Like, I get you. I was there. I've done that. And that's exactly why I'm here to share everything I know. So you don't have to go through what I went through, right? Like, boom, there's an about page. And yeah, it's about me. But it's really, again, it, it needs to be about them. And then you can have a little thing at the bottom, you know, hey, interested to get to know more about like, my credentials or whatever, like click here and make it link to your resume or whatever. You can have a blog post that's, you know, your whole big story, or you can pop a video in there. That's your story. Right. But really at the end of the day, you know, you really just need to focus on the, how you can help and serve them and making, making sure that your audience is feeling really seen and understood and like you're the person to help them. Love it. Your additional credentials, I assume leads off with hates piccolos. Yes, that's okay. the very first line. And right underneath it, it says recorder, plays recorder. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. I'm helping, helping build out resumes on this episode. That's always, yes. always a good goal there. Um, okay, you're almost off the hook, but always like to end with a top three. And I, sometimes I'll source these from my guests as well. And I liked yours quite a bit because I'm sure if you do drink, I... Uh, You've probably been drinking more this year in 2020. Um, that's, a, that's a general you, not an indictment specifically on Nicole, but <laughs> anyone listening. Uh, and so let's just chat your top three cocktails. My top three cocktails. Here we go. Cheers. We need an ASR clink. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> my, my top three cocktails. Okay. Number one. My personal favorite cocktail is a hurricane, New Orleans. I love New Orleans. It's my favorite city in the whole world. I consider myself a New Orleanian at heart. But anyway, hurricane, it's like a fruity, I don't know, like a fruit punch almost, but with like rum in it. And let me tell you, they're dangerous. Don't have too many. Been there, done that because it tastes like juice. It will mess you up. Don't do that. Zero out of 10 would not recommend. So they're delightful though. Okay. Hurricane number two, my number two favorite cocktail. We're going old fashioned, just, you know, nice, simple, gets the job done, you know, makes you feel real classy. Um, and then number three, my number three favorite cocktail, I would have to say just, okay. I, I think this might be the name for it, but a pineapple upside down cake. It's like super basic of me, but it's just like the, you know, the whipped cream vodka with like pineapple juice and a little bit of grenadine. It's just like so good. <laughs> <laughs> I I was going to say there's a sweet theme here, but I guess old fashions are not super sweet. So nice way to, to balance it out a little bit. <laughs> yeah, my curveball, you know, got like one, one for depending on your mood. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Nicole, thank you so much for taking the time to hop on and chat. If people want to learn about you, go to your about 
you page or sign up for anything that you're offering, what, what can they do? Where can they find you? Yes. Well, thanks so much for having me. And if people would like to find me, I spend most of my internet time over on Instagram. It is at Nicole Ricardo and my last name has two C's in it. So N-I-C-O-L-E-R-I-C-C-A-R-D-O. My personal website is just NicoleRicardo.com. That's going to have my more educational resources, courses, workshops, stuff like that. My agency is NicoleRicardoMedia.com. Um, and for anybody else who is a creative musician, freelancer, solopreneur, I also have a Facebook group, um, called create your career, which is a community for other creative freelancers. I do some trainings in there. We have guests come on. Um, so yeah, would love for you to come hang out with me, uh, in any of those places. Lovely. Sounds like a great time, regardless of, of which of those spots. I like them all. Yes. (laughs) And I always like to end with a bad joke. Why can't you hear a pterodactyl go to the bathroom? Why? Because the P is silent. (laughs) Get after it today, people. (laughs) Cute.